All right, welcome everyone to the year that was dot dot dot. And this time, this time around, we're discussing 1997. This time around, this first time, we're discussing 1997. Uh, we're in May. We're right in the middle of May right now. We've just come out of the uh, um, what was it? Sorry, the Slamboree pay per view. Correct? Yes. 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 Um, it's been a minute since I was able to, or we were able to sit down and record just because of work schedules and holidays and all this other stuff. So we're finally getting back into it. We're coming out of Slamboree and anybody that's new to the show, what we're doing is going and we're discussing the year, the calendar year of 1997, the two major companies, WWE or, at the, or WWF at the time and WCW, uh, the Monday night wars, basically right at their start and the pay-per-views that involve uh, that are in, in between those shows. Um, I'm rambling here. Sorry. Um, so today I'm here with my co-host Nate Maxson. Hello. Hello. Usually we're with um, Archie and Mark, but work constraints had them not being able to, uh, and time constraints, they're not able to join us this week. But that's all right. Hopefully they're back next week. Um, before we get into um, the show, Nate, do you have anything? I do not have anything for this all right. week. Um, like I said, we're coming out of Slamboree. Uh, we're going. Uh, like I said, week by week, month by month. So if you're new or you're like, oh, I'm going to click on this and see what it is. You might want to like go to the go to, go to the top and work your way to this show where you're going to be a little lost if you don't know anything about 1997. Um, so like I said, we're at a slamboree. That show's over. Um, it was a good pay-per-view. It was one of those pay-per-views where Hogan wasn't in it. So the main event wasn't terrible. So it was, it was a good show, top to bottom. I enjoyed it. Um, so customary on the show, we go to the promotion that the pay-per-view just had the, the, I don't want to say it. Um, basically, whatever pay-per-view, whatever company's pay-per-view was that Sunday, we do their discussion of their show first. So we are going to discuss the WCW Nitro from May 19th, 1997. It was in Asheville, North Carolina. I apologize. I forgot to write down the attendance for both of these shows, which I usually do. And I forgot. Um, so Nitro starts with a little bit of a video of the uh, Slamboree pay-per-view with uh, the WCW um, defeating the NWO in a really good match. Um, mean Gene Okerlund introduces Ric Flair. Um, Ric Flair comes out and says that last night's victory over the NWO gave him a renewed confidence and said it's basically made him decide that he wanted to stay wrestling. Like when he was injured and whatever, he was thinking about not coming back, but that match um, made him decide to, to, to give it another run and he's going to keep going. Uh, then X-Pac comes out and interrupts Ric Flair. He says that their victory was, was a not really a victory because they pinned the wrong guy. Um, Flair says that he said it before that he doesn't know if he can beat Kevin Nash or Scott Hall, but he knows he can beat X, uh, he can beat six. And then um, six ends up taking offense to that and challenges Ric Flair to a match tonight. And obviously Ric Flair accepts. So um, this is the guy that um, I've said it before on the show that um, Flair's publicly stated that he wasn't a big fan of Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, 
but I've never really heard him say anything bagging X-Pac. So I think I think Waltman was the guy that if he's got to work with him. That's the one he probably he probably enjoyed working with the most. But I was going to say you can tell they did not work together very much over their career just because they really weren't in the same place very much. But every time they ever worked together, they had they had good chemistry in the ring. You can you know Waltman and not that Scott Hall wasn't a good worker, but Scott Hall Waltman was the good worker with the best head on his shoulders. Yeah. And also sure. another thing that I wanted to mention, maybe ask you, cause you might actually know, know over me. I don't know. I mean, I can't speak to the past decade to be honest, because back then I was a more hardcore watcher of the program. So I kept more track of where wrestling was and stuff. Now I know where the big pay-per-views are and all that, but I don't know where, where a raw was from here to there. Did the W isn't Asheville one of those towns WWF just stayed away from? Yeah. Like it was like it was it was, it was WCW slash it NWA. Was, it, was, it was almost North Carolina. Yeah. Like they ventured into Greensboro a couple times, but I don't even think they ever tried to touch Asheville. Yeah. I mean, yeah. For one, I don't think I don't think they looked at it as I don't want to say like as like a huge town for them to begin with like it was like a town that you wanted to take away right from them but it was also a town of if we go in there and we don't take it away from them it's embarrassing you know what i mean right like we know we're not gonna get it so why even why even why even try yeah why even try um so like i said it's set up the main event for the evening will be rick flair in his first Nitro match in a long time, taking on Six Pac. Um, the opening match is Steven Regal, the new world television champion, defending against his former fo- f- ah, former foe and former television champion, Prince Iakea. And this is a different story of these two because Prince Iakea is not very effective in his match with Steven Regal as he was in the past. And part of that is because Regal is now, um, it's not the only part, but basically what they're doing with Regal is he's no longer Regal. He's no longer noble. He's going back to his roots being a, being a pit fighter in India. And then the, and the carnivals of Blackpool and everything like that. Regal's becoming a more tough nosed competitor. The only thing I don't like about it is he still comes out to his masterpiece theater music. <laughs> He's supposed to be this tough-nosed guy. It's like either give him some different music or no music at all. But is what it is. Um, Regal basically guzzles up Prince Iakea, beats him pretty quickly with the Regal stretch. And Regal has gotten his first television title defense under his belt. Um, can't say enough good things about William Regal. And I think this finally puts to bed the Prince Iakea experiment. Yes, like he's he's a jobber again, and we're we're not we're not gonna see like you know Prince I until a couple of years from now, we're not gonna see Prince Iakea get much of anything on TV other than his shoulders pinned. Yeah. Um, then we get a recap of Glacier getting beat down at the pay per view, and Ernest Miller showing up um, and saving Glacier, and them acting like everybody should know who Ernest Miller was. It's like. Okay, no idea. Um, this is Bischoff just trying to hold on to something, trying to get his karate shit on there. Um, like I said, this this feud and this would have been much better if it was just like Judo Ray Lloyd versus 
Conan and or not Conan, Chris Canyon and and Brian Clark. It didn't need all this fucking whatever on it. The minute they knew the NWO thing was going to happen and Blood Runs Cold wasn't going to be the thing, they should have just scrapped it and just made these guys wrestlers. Yeah, because it, it it does not it does not equate. It does not fit. Am I? It, it's just not a shouldn't be a thing. Um. So they just showed that, and then Masahiro Chono, um, he faces Dave Taylor. Um, during the during the match, they're talking about how WCW in June on June thirtieth is going to be in at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, so they're putting over the Grand as being like the best hotel casino in uh, in Los An- or Los Angeles in Las Vegas. I've never been to Vegas, so I don't know, but they're saying it's the it's the mecca of Vegas, and they're going to be there. And apparently. There's going to be a huge WCW, a, a huge star debuting on this June 30th Monday Nitro. I don't, I don't remember who it is, honestly. So it's going to be a surprise to me. I think I remember, but I'm not. I don't want to say because I, I honestly don't remember. Um, there's a note in here, and I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. We talked about it. I thought it was crazy that at this point Dave Taylor had started wrestling in 1977 which is insane to me. Like he's been wrestling for 20 years and he looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, but Chono it's, it's, it, it's, it is what it is. It's a good match, but it's a televised, it's a television match. You get Chono over Chono's in the NWO. Um, and Chono ends up getting the STF on Dave Taylor and Dave Taylor taps out. Uh, Sonny Ono then tells um, Chono in the, in the, in the Iowa that the unknown challenger for Chono will be here next week. So Chono has to face the mystery opponent of Sonny Ono's choosing next week here on Nitro. And you're going to notice what I do here and you're going to, I'll tell you why I do it. Um, JJ, we then go to a, a, a video of JJ Dillon telling us that Nick Patrick has been reinstated as a WCW official and he will be on a 90 day review policy. So basically they're going to review him for 90 days. If he doesn't do anything underhanded or shady or whatever, he'll be fully reinstated. But for right now, it's a 90-day probation period. Okay? Mm-hmm. The next thing we get is J.J. Dillon tells us that Nick Patrick has been reinstated <laughs> as a 90-day review. And so he's basically on a 90-day probationary period. Yes, they fucking, these rubes played it twice. <laughs> The first time, Tony Schiavone doesn't even mention it. It's just the Sonny Ono thing happens, and then they go to it, and then they come back from commercial, and Tony Schiavone goes, let's go to this special special message from J.J. Dillon. <laughs> they play it again. <laughs> so they played it on accident before the commercial, and then, and then they, they, they decided to play it again. They just, they just pretended like that didn't happen. <laughs> And they played it again and just went with whatever they were intending on Tony to say. Instead of going, oops, we played it first, coming back from commercial and going, fans, if you missed it, let's replay what J.J. Dillon just told to us. He goes, let's go to this special report from J.J. Dillon. Let's hear the news that he has for us. (laughs) They played it twice. Like, what the fuck? I know it's not a big thing, but it's like, what the hell? Yeah, it was this b- million-dollar production company. Yeah, 
or in, or or instead of playing the video, just kind of when they come back, because I know it's tiny or whatever, just have them come back from break and be like, "Oh my God, did you hear what JJ just said?" Yeah, and all you got to do is talk about it for sixty seconds, and you yeah, can get and your sixty seconds back. Yeah, yeah, they just they just act like that didn't happen. Um, then um, let's just keep on coming. Um, and I sent this to you guys in the in the uh, in our chat group. Um, M Wall Street is now going to face Scotty Riggs. Um, M Wall Street is wearing his anti W his his no WCW shirts, basically WCW with the the no thing on it because he can't be in the NWO because he never officially signed a contract with the NWO. So JJ Dillon is saying that Mike Wall Street is not in the NWO. He's actually a contracted WCW employee and thus must wrestle under WCW rules and not have any of the perks of the NWO. If it was me, I would be like, you can just have him. <laughs> like this, you can have him. But, um, Michael Wall Street is wrestling this match against Scotty Riggs. Uh, Nick Patrick is the referee. Uh, Mike Wall Street tries to cheat, but Nick Patrick stops him from cheating. But Wall Street ends up getting the um, sunset flip on uh, Scotty Riggs anyway for the one, two, three. But basically, what they're doing in this match is showing that Nick Patrick isn't 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 cheating either way. You know what I mean? Even though it's anti WCW guy, he still he got the pin. I counted. I stopped him from cheating, but I also didn't screw him. Like I'm just right. calling him on the middle. So I mean, that's kind of a cool thing you're doing with it. Um, but and it was uh, smart to do it right after the yeah JJ Dillon announcement, so it's fresh in your mind. Yeah, and they um, announced it twice, so it's really yeah, fresh in your mind. Very important. <laughs> um, but like I said, I sent this to you guys um, during the replay. They go to show. Um, um, Scotty Riggs jumping off the top rope onto Michael Wall Street, which set up Wall Street getting the roll up on um, Riggs. But as they're playing it, the uh, uh, television guy or whatever ends up accidentally making it go in reverse, so he rewinds it. So Scotty Riggs is on the ground, he's on the mat. But then he jumps backwards <laughs> through the air and lands directly on the top rope. <laughs> As Bobby Heenan is trying to talk about what happens, that happens. And Bobby stops for like half a second and is flustered. And Zabisco goes, what the hell is that? And Bobby's like, I don't know. I've never seen a man do that before. <laughs> Their production team is all fucked up this night. Yes. And then they say that the show is sponsored by Castrol. Those who know use Castrol. And then Zabisco goes, and those who don't run the production truck. <laughs> good line. Yeah. He good, ad good, good, good ad lib by Larry Zabisco. Yeah. It was just like, boom. Like, no, like, that was the greatness of the guys back in the day, man. Like, that was just off the cuff. It wasn't even. They didn't even know it was going to happen, so it was just it was it was just fantastic. Those who don't run the production truck and then it goes <laughs> commercial. Um, yeah, Bobby, like I, I, he's flustered. He's like, I, I've never seen a man do that before. <laughs> you guys got to watch it. If you don't watch anything else on this show, 
go to the network and watch that fucking goddamn moment because it's fantastic. Um, then me and Gene introduces Mark Martin, who's with Ric Flair, and the Hillbillies lose their shit. Um, I don't know anything about Mark Martin. Um, he's a NASCAR guy or whatever, and he's driving a WCW NASCAR car, and Ric Flair's talking about how great he is. I, I have no idea. Um, but they are in North Carolina, so that's that's what North Carolina North Carolinians like is they're fucking NASCAR and they're wrestling. So this yeah. is fucking heaven for them. Um, then usually I play the uh, audio of the Lee Marshall Road Report, but it literally wasn't anything on this. But um, Lee Marshall, he's talking about the Road Report where they're going to be, and then we get a recap of Randy Savage and Sting, or Sting, Randy Savage and DDP's altercation at, at, at Slamboree um, with uh, them attacking, and then the Giant ends up coming out and saving DDP, and DDP and and uh, Giant run them off, and um, we're getting there. These guys are both finally healed. This match is supposed to have been happening twice, um, but first Savage got hurt, then DDP got hurt, now they're both better, so um, we're moving towards Savage Page 2, which I'm glad about. Not because I dislike the feud, but the injuries have made it go a lot longer than what it needed to go. Yeah. There's, only, there's only so, like, every week it's the same it's the same thing every week because they can't do much because Savage's knee was fucked up and then DDB was fucked up. And it's like, so... Finally- it, shows you, it shows you the, the level of, of um, creative on both sides of the fence because... With Brett and Steve and their injuries and stuff, WWE, WWF still kept that spicy. Yeah. You know? they, they, like you said, like you said with this, even though these two guys are good and the feud is good, it seems like they're doing the same thing every week with them. Yeah. And they, and they added people to it. And, and like, you know, the heart, the foundation helped. But like, I don't know. It's just Savage being in the NWO was weird because it was like he was in the NWO, but he was like his own little entity. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm hmm. It was, it was just, to me, Savage was always, I've always been a Randy Savage fan, but I think he was a guy that just, he always seemed like <laughs> big name wrestlers in the end, like the big core group. He was always the odd man out of the end of, he never fit in my yeah. opinion. I didn't mind him being a heel. I just think he should have been just a crazy ass heel. He didn't need to be in the NWO, but he also, <clears throat> he's also a, a businessman and was like, if I can get my name on an MW, an NWO shirt, you know, right. There's the money. But anyway, um, the next match is Steve McMichael and Jeff Jarrett, um, versus the Steiner brothers. Um, uh, not very many notes on this match other than the fact that the Steiner brothers are freaks. Like they, it's insane with the, they, they what they they weren't you weren't gonna do anything they didn't want you to do and you weren't gonna do anything that they didn't want you to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like if they want to throw you, they're gonna throw you. And if but you don't throw them unless <laughs> they want you to, it ain't gonna happen. Like I to me, I would have been more afraid to wrestle them than the fucking LOD, in my opinion. Yeah. Because like LOD can knock you on your head or whatever, but these guys can fuck you up, and I don't, like I wouldn't want anything to do with that. <laughs> uh, 
then Jeff Jarrett, he ends up bringing the um, case into the ring, but Kevin Green shows up again, and he stops Jeff Jarrett and hits Mongo, and the Steiner brothers end up um, winning the match. Excuse me. And then we go to a um, backstage footage of Mongo McMichael attacking Kevin Green in the backstage area um, for the uh, the getting involved in his match. Um, then Larry Zabisco, he says another funny line. He says, um, back when I was wrestling, when you'd do something like that, you'd just leave. It's like you didn't stick around and wait for the guy to come back. If you hit somebody with something, you left. It's <laughs> funny to me, like you you ran away. Like yeah, it's <laughs> heel logic. Yeah, it's like, oh shit, he's gonna be mad. I better get out of here. <laughs> See you later. Um then we get excuse me to our main event. Rick Flair versus, and I think this might be the last hour nitro, I think. But um, we get to Rick Flair versus six pack. Um, this doesn't last long because NWO ends up um, running down the ring and attacking, and they basically um, kick the shit out of Ric Flair. Um, and they put over the fact that um, they do something good because they say that that um, basically Jarrett and Mongo got taken out of the building because of the brawl with Kevin Green or whatever. So they give they give a reason why at least that nobody ran down to save and Piper's not there and right you know so they gave they gave a reasonable excuse on why nobody would have tried to come out and help um, Flair and then the uh, NWO Kevin Nash and Scott Hall end up cutting a promo um, basically running down Flair and and Piper and calling them old this that another thing um, like Flair's in the tar pits and just shit like that basically calling them dinosaurs, um, which I don't even know how old Ric Flair would have been in 1997. Probably, probably, what, he's, 70, he's 73 now, and that was 25 years ago. So, 48? Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think, like, back then, like, oh, you're 48 years old, you old dinosaur. Yeah, he's only, a couple, he's only a couple of years older than AJ Styles is now. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's silly. It's, it's crazy how different it is. Um, then Eric Bischoff ends up coming out. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys, it's been a minute since we watched this, so I'm, I'm kind of getting in my notes. Sorry, Nate. You can there's pauses. You can edit it or whatever. Um, Eric Bischoff comes out, and at first, um, I thought he had a shirt on that had Whoopi Goldberg on it. <laughs> Like, I was like, why is he wearing a Whoopi Goldberg shirt? And I looked at I looked at it closer. And I was like, oh, it's Jimi Hendrix. Because he had like a jacket on over it. But it, he had like Jimi Hendrix had on these like little little Whoopi Goldberg glasses or whatever. I seriously for like half a second thought, is Eric Bischoff wearing a Whoopi Goldberg shirt? Like, I don't even know there were Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, when did they make a Whoopi Goldberg t-shirt? <laughs> did, he but, get that at, did he get that at a comic relief? Apparently he did not because it's Jimi Hendrix. Um, but Bischoff comes out and he says he wants to talk to Sting, but nobody can find him because he's ca- he's a coward. Um, and then um, they have one of the they have Sting come out. Okay, 
That's one of those one of those fake things that never like it looks like the sting if you ordered them off of Wish. <laughs> yeah, it never looks like it sting. never looks like sting remotely. Uh, yeah, like this one had like this one had like a Mo Howard type. <laughs> I was gonna say sometimes sometimes they're like uh, six inches too tall. Sometimes they're built like the Cupid assassin. <laughs> you know, like it's never yeah. it doesn't ever resemble Sting at yeah. all. This one had like Mo Howard hair, <laughs> and he's thin, and he comes out, and he makes he makes this Mo he makes Mo Sting get on his knees. And, and beg and t- shake his head, nodding that he's not as good as Hulk Hogan and this, that, and the other thing. And then Sting ends up, the actual Sting, ends up pulling an Undertaker, cuts through the mat, gets in the ring, and drops Eric Bischoff with a, with a scorpion death drop and then ends up leaving the arena, or, yeah, leaving the arena, and that's how we go off the air with Sting dropping Eric Bischoff. And I'm sure there was some kind of main event for the fans after the show went off the air. Cause I know they probably did not go to these towns and then just do a one hour TV taping. Yeah. I'm sure there was like probably four other matches after this, but um, that's how it ends. It was just a quick man, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Nitro, nothing offensive, nothing stand out outish or whatever. It was just kind of a show. One of the detriments of the NWO formula. And it's one of those things where, and it's a lot, there's a lot of stuff from the Nitro or the Monday Night War era that because we were watching it in the moment, it was so exciting and so different that you didn't think about it. But now in hindsight, when you watch it over and over and over again, and you start to kind of sort of be able to, to look at it all in one in one in one piece instead of over a three-year period or whatever one of the things that i think was a detriment of the nwo formula was it ruined many potential great tv main events i.e like you just said flair and six was short you know so you have the potential to have this really really good match on tv and you cut it short because the NWO has got to come out and do their NWO thing. And again, in the moment, it was exciting. <laughs> but now yeah. you look back on it and you're like, well, shit, what, what could have been if those guys would have been given, you know, 20 minutes on TV? Yeah, that could have been like, uh, it's it's not the same thing, but that could have been like, that could have been like Sean Waltman's like um, Bret Hart Raw moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, hang your hat on, this is one of the best fucking matches that ever happened on Nitro, and it was X, it was X-Pac and Ric Flair. Yeah. Like, you can't tell me they wouldn't have had a great fucking match. Yep, absolutely. But, like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad show, but it wasn't a great show. It was just kind of there, and um, I think they're saving, I don't think, when we were talking about it a couple weeks ago or whatever, that, that, Arch was kind of getting what I was saying, but I think they're saving some of their shit for the when they get back to two hours. You know, I mean, I think they look at these hour shows. If it's at seven o'clock, it's before a basketball game. You know, does anybody really like? We're not destination. This isn't a destination time slot right now. Right. Yeah. So let's just kind of let's keep it tread, basic. in water. Yeah. Let's just keep it basic and not really um, develop anything new yet. And that's probably that's Kevin Sullivan probably being like. Know, being mm-hmm. smart and knowing what the fuck he's doing for most of the time. Um, 
All right, so Nitro's concluded. Um, so now if you were a WCW guy, that means you're going to sit down and you're going to pop your, uh, if you had one of the fancy VCRs where you could tape while, something, while you're watching something else, now you're going to sit down, you're going to pop your tape in, you're going to watch some WWF Raw. Um, it's WWF Raw from May 19th, 1997. Obviously, we're the same night as Nitro because it's the Monday Night War, and they are in Mobile, Alabama. That's where they're at, okay? So a lot of, a lot of, both companies are in the, the the dirty south like the dirty hillbilly area of mobile alabama and Asheville, north carolina nothing wrong with that i'm a hillbilly i'm not a hillbilly I'm a there's no hills in ohio <laughs> except hawkins but other than that anyway um we go into a recap because if you guys remember last week um the show ended with um brett hart just berating um sean michaels so we didn't get to see sean michaels's rebuttal um so this day sean says that brett knew what he was doing but brett says he doesn't and i think brett's full of shit in that situation and yet he is i think he knew exactly what he was doing um but was it is what there's times when sean says he didn't mean it and he's full of shit they both meant it. Yes. Every fucking bit of it. They both meant it. John's like, I didn't mean anything by sunny days. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> fucking liar. Anyway, anyway. Um they end up showing um the recap of Brett talking about Shawn Michaels and they they have like a little time thing at the bottom of it. They're they're basically doing like a uh, a minute by minute recap of the end of Raw. Mm -hmm. And then we see the footage of afterwards, um, the aftermath of H of Sean talking or Brett talking. Brett ends up standing up, and it's one of my favorite visuals in the history of WWE, WWF. Brett's bitching and yelling at Sean, and Sean ends up super kicking Bret Hart back into his wheelchair, and then Brett falls over. It's fucking fan. Like Sean doesn't go, shut up, I'm tired of you. He just kicks him in the face. Like right in the chin, and Brett falls back in his chair, doubles back down. <clears throat> that, then, that entire segment from beginning to end is one of the best segments in WWF television history. Yes, and just the yeah. whole the whole thing with, and I, I don't know. I think we talked about it on the last show, but Brett sitting in the chair, so he's he's looking up at Sean, and Sean's looking down at him, yeah. and Brett can't move, and Sean's very very um, um, active walking around him and yeah but blah, as he's blah, active blah. walking around him he's still just constantly looking down yes yes and, and brett and, looks so condescending and that's what i was gonna say that's and, the crazy thing too is sean's looking down at brett and brett's looking up at sean and usually when somebody's looking up at you it's like they're beneath you or whatever but it makes it even more condescending yeah like i, I just can see in my wheelchair yeah, you're not gonna do shit you're gonna do shit about anything that i'm saying because you know it's true and this, that, and the other thing. It's fantastic. And if it would have all played out live, it would have been, I think it would, if this, if this segment would have aired as it was supposed to, and fucked it up, I think it would be talked about more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it was like, it ended nothing, and then they had to show the rest of it the next week. I think this would have been like, like a Zamboni Raw type moment, in my opinion. If it would have just aired how it was supposed to, but unfortunately they didn't get to do that. Um, 
on the network, like I was talking with, like last week when Mark wanted to talk about it, I said I want to kind of go with how they actually show it on TV, how it was actually broadcast on TV. On the network, they show you the whole thing on that, on the last week's Raw, but on television, they didn't, obviously. So now we get the recap. Sean kicks Brett. Brett falls back in his chair, which obviously brings out the Hart Foundation. Um, the Hart Foundation ends up getting involved and uh, beating on Sean until Austin gets involved. And it just basically ends with the Hart Foundation running away from Sean and Austin. And Sean and Austin aren't working and they aren't working together. But like Steve didn't come out to help Sean Michaels. He came out to attack the Hart Foundation. Right. Basically, is the story that they're telling. Um, and then Steve Austin mm-hmm. opens the show. Um, Jim Ross, Jim Ross interviews Steve Austin about last week and um he like i said he just said he didn't he doesn't care about hbk he only showed up to get over on the heart foundation Shawn michaels comes out and confronts confronts steve austin and says he feels the same about austin um i think i don't want to say anything that ain't true but i not seeing it was but i think sean was a little fucked up when he did this promo no, that wouldn't surprise me at all. In my opinion, because Sean, he's, he's slurring a little word. He's slurring a little bit, and he says, I'm going to kick my teeth down your throat. That's what he said. Um, and then Austin ends up um, ends up slugging Sean, and they start a brawl. Officials come out and pull him apart. And then um, Bulldog Jim... Neidhart and Owen Hart interrupt on the Titan Tron and challenge um, Austin and HBK to face Bulldog and Hart next week. And they both accept. <coughs> they say um, they'll find different partners. Like Sean says, I'll fight you. But I ain't going to team with him. I'll just find another partner. And Austin goes, uh-uh-uh. I was just going to say that. <laughs> like he's still, yeah. like, still a heel. Like, like people are cheering him, but his character is still like, uh-uh, I was going to say that, you know, like, like he, like his character was like, Oh, it's a good idea. I was going to say that anything you can do, I can do better. Yeah. I can do anything better than you. Yeah. <laughs> so both of them accept the challenge, but on the tense that they're not going to team with each other, they'll find their own partners. Um, then they show a, um, video of Ken Shamrock breaking Vader's nose in your house. And they announced that um, Vader is now out of the King of the Ring tournament and he's been replaced by Triple H. Um, uh, Triple H and China come out and um, they interview Jerry Briscoe about why um, Triple H has been allowed back into the tournament and if you remember, um, he fought Ahmed, and Ahmed won by disqualification to to get into the tournament. Right. Briscoe is, or to advance in the tournament, or whatever. But Briscoe is saying that Hunter Hunter's lawyers found some sort of um, um, like loophole or whatever, saying that you can only advance by pinfall or submission in the tournament. So to avoid a lawsuit and bad publicity, they've allowed Triple H to replace Vader, or he's not Triple H yet. They've allowed Hunter Hearst Helmsley to replace the injured injured Vader in the tournament. I question the logic in this. This was kind of a WCW moment because they're like, okay, so Hunter or so Ahmed won by disqualification, but Hunter's lawyer outlawed our lawyers 
and found a loophole. And to avoid embarrassment and a public relations nightmare, we're going to allow him back into the tournament. But you just told everybody about your embarrassment and public relations <laughs> nightmare. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they just look silly. Like this, yeah. I, I understand what they're doing. They're they're finding a way to get him back in the tournament. But it, it it was, they should have just said Vader's hurt. This guy was a runner up, right. so he's in there. <laughs> yeah, but they it, it looked silly to avoid embarrassment. We're going to talk about the embarrassment. <laughs> and the worst part is they had Jerry Briscoe do it. <laughs> I love Jerry Briscoe, but <laughs> but promo ability ain't Jerry Briscoe's strong suit. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's kind of like when they had um, what's his nut at the gathering, Johnny Weaver. Oh yeah, when they had him be in the stick man for the Coliseum or whatever. It's like no, like like he looked so confused. He looked like a deer in the headlights the whole time. <laughs> like, like, they'd send it to him, and he'd just be like, huh? uh, "Now, yeah. J J J J Youngblood, yeah." <laughs> Right, <laughs> it's kind of like that. But anyway, um, uh, Triple H is facing Crush. It's a weird match, but it's a match. That's something that I, I don't want to say it. it. There haven't been a lot of them on Raw, but one thing I was kind of that's been kind of cool on a couple of Raws that I've seen is they've had they've had at least like one jobber match. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? With like they had one with the Viking Raiders. They fought to jabrones or whatever and i didn't watch the match but they had like a ladies one where it was like lady jobbers or whatever right you could tell that's a triple h thing mm-hmm. i'm kind of hoping they go back to some of this shit where it's just a match you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it doesn't have to have a story for every single match just be like these guys are it's it's a sport and these guys are contending for titles so you have to have have matches sometimes for contention yeah, you can all you can already see, and I know this isn't a modern product show, but you can already see little things like um, the booking already is less fifty fifty. You yeah. know, you're you're starting to see defined stars again, and not everybody's just they're just happy to be in the WWE. You know, yeah. it's not like that now. Fuck, man, I I I and I felt I don't know I don't know if I feel silly about it or not. I guess I don't. I like almost, I almost leapt out of my chair a couple of weeks ago when Drew McIntyre was like, we're two wrestlers in a wrestling ring, so yeah. let's wrestle. And I was like, yeah! Well, <laughs> yeah. WWE, WWE Twitter just tweeted a thing that just said wrestling. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah, they said WWE wrestling. <laughs> I was like, ah, <laughs> yes. Just a, just a tweet that just said wrestling. <laughs> like all the te- all the all the Twitter followers are like, oh, we feel so dirty. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, and you don't have to be sorry about bringing it up. I brought it up. But like, like I said, there's no reason for this match other than it gets crushed on TV, it gets the nation on TV. They they're putting over the fact that Hunter's back in the tournament. And whatever, but it's just a good match. I shouldn't say it's a good match. It's a match. Um, Triple H went for a pedigree, but Savio got involved, ended up kicking Crush by mistake. Um, and then Triple H ends up getting the pedigree and winning the match. And then Savio and Crush, they end up getting in a fight, and they get settled down by uh, Farouk. So Farouk's still having problems with his, uh, his nation of domination. Now, the next match is a non-title match. It's the Intercontinental Champion, Owen Hart, 
not defending his Intercontinental Championship against Bob Sparkplug Holly. All right. Hometown boy, Bob Sparkplug Holly. Now, there may be may or not be may or may not be people that know the story behind this. Because Bob Holly has told it. But if you want to tell the story, you can. No, I'll tell the story when you're done talking about the segment. Okay. But there's a bit of audio that I want to play going mm-hmm. into this match. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Nate, tell me if you can hear it. Or you can give me a thumbs up or whatever. Old Hart will take on the native Alabama and Bob Holly <laughs> here uh, tonight in a non-title matchup. And as a matter of fact, our cameras had the opportunity uh, just a little bit earlier this afternoon to talk to some of the uh, Bob Holly fans. As a matter of fact, those folks had just the same good old Bob. All right, Bob Holly, this is Donnie Dees from one from one Alabama into another here. Good luck tonight against Owen Hart. I know you're going to beat him. Bob Holly, you're from Alabama, I'm from Alabama, you're from Mobile, and I'm from Mobile, and that makes us tough. So I know you're going to kick Owen Hart's butt tonight. Oh, give me a break, JR. I had an opportunity to speak to a couple <laughs> of Alabamians myself a little earlier. Hey, can we roll that? Listen, 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 Pretty good, huh? You're you're, you're you're hideous. Yeah, I let it go to the end of it because I love Jim Ross. You're, like, you're hideous. Right, pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. All right. Cars you got parked in your driveway right now. Like the best, the best joke in the whole thing. Like it's all funny, but the best joke in the whole thing, the guy wasn't even joking. Pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> and you guys have to see these people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They look like they get even funny. Straight out of Squid Billy. So somebody found those people and were like, <laughs> we, and I think I, if Jerry Lawler didn't find him himself, I know who, I have a feeling I know who did it. Bruce Pritchard? I, yes. <laughs> I was going to say, like, Bruce Pritchard, for everything everybody wants to say negative about that guy, has a fucking great sense of humor, in my opinion. And knows funny when funny's there. Mm-hmm. And was like, look at those motherfuckers. <laughs> you guys want to come talk to Jerry the King Lawler? <laughs> you know he sold him on it. Yeah, like, oh, it's going to be great. You want to meet Jerry the King Lawler? <laughs> You're our golden circle winners. You get to meet Jerry the King Lawler. Oh, I, I think it's great that you're like Bruce Pritchard. Because I was like, that's a Bruce Pritchard <laughs> segment right there. Like. Because him and that little group, man, they love fucking with people, and they didn't care who it was. You know, and people mm-hmm. could say what they want, but they fuck with each other too. You know what I mean? Yep. But, but like, like when this is totally off subject, but 
part of me thinks that's part of the reason that Vince liked the click so much. Because I think he was like me and Bruce and Pat and Jerry, and we're kind of like they're they're kind of just like us, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But anyway, what were you gonna say? No, I was just gonna say, Ed, not to steal your thunder, but Owen Owen puts Bob Holly over. Yeah. In this match, I'll give me time to get a grab a beer while you speak. And I don't know if it is in a shoot interview or if it is on the Owen Hart Raw tribute. I can't remember now, but Bob Holly makes reference to this match because he says that Owen wanted, said he wanted to put him over in Mobile in his hometown. He's, you know, pretty much at that time, not a lot of people wanted to put me over. I was kind of a bottom of the card guy. He talks about it on his, on the Owen is raw. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember if it was on the the trip. I couldn't react. I couldn't remember if it was on the tribute show or if it was a shoot, but I'm sure he's he's talked talked about it on numerous things too, but that's the first time I remember hearing it. But yeah, Owen, Owen wanted, that's why, you know, they just gave him a non-title match with Owen on this raw because he was in Bob's hometown and he was the guy willing to put Bob over in his hometown. And Bob appreciated that. And I do too. You know, that's that's cool shit. Owen's probably like, what the fuck's it hurt me? Right. (laughs) Owen probably would have been, if they would have been like, it's for the belt. He'd been like, all right. Yeah. Fuck it. I'll lose it. I can win it back next week. I'll win it back next week. Yeah. And fucking Lubbock or whatever. Just give him a belt. But dude, man, we're not going to make this an Owen Hart show, but like 10 dudes universally loved. And he's like, like the biggest pricks in the world. Owen was the best, man. Yeah. Like Bob Holly, <laughs> biggest assholes ever in professional wrestling. But he's like, I love me some Owen Hart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the click. Yeah. Or Sean versus, you know, the, I hate his, I hate his brother with every bit of my fiber, my being, but God, I love Owen. <laughs> yeah, it's good. And then, um, I don't want to say it. Um, Brett never liked Hogan, you know, but, um, <clears throat> and you take what you want to say about Hogan or whatever, but Hogan even said, like, sometimes, oh, like, Owen had come up to him when they were in WWE, when they were all in WWF together, you know, and was just like, yeah. It's like, I think my brother, like, you know, I don't think it's right that my brother doesn't like you. You know what I mean? Like, I take what you want of it because it's Hogan, but I could also see Owen being the guy that was like in the middle of this whole thing, being like, why can't you guys just fucking get along? Like, just settle the fuck down and get along. Make your money and go home, you know? Yeah. But, um, Nick, when you see a lot of the pictures from the mid nineties of you see, you see pictures of, of Bret Hart's group together. And there's a lot of times you'll see pictures of the click, but Owen's in the picture with the click too. Like Owen's fucking hanging out with everybody. How you doing? (laughs) He was just universally fucking loved. Yeah. And, and like I said, there's not a lot of guys that you can fucking say that about, especially in, like, that era of wrestling. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not even saying the 90s. I'm saying, like, from, like, the late 70s up until um, probably... Everybody just started playing video games. Probably together. the John Cena era. Yeah. That you can say that... Everybody liked this guy in a lot. Like, you, you know what I mean? It, 
I'm trying to think of a guy now that would be like that. And right, we just kind of talked before we started, we kind of talked about Seamus. I'd say like, like probably like Seamus. I've never heard anybody say anything about anything bad about Seamus. I've never heard anybody say anything bad about um, our truth. And I've never heard anybody say anything bad about Kofi Kingston. Mm-hmm. And I think our truth, uh, those are like the three guys that like right off the top of my head. I'm like, I've never heard anybody go, oh man, fucking our truth, fucking asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? But anyway. Um, the only uh, person I've ever even heard truth having having heat with was drum roll CM Punk. I know <laughs> we, we were talking about him off the air before we went on the air, everybody, but that's the only person I've ever heard anybody have heat with our truth was fucking CM Punk. Anyway, our truth is probably like you're an asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Being an asshole. But anyway. Punk was uh, pissed. Punk was pissed because when he was champion, they were doing all that shit with shit with Miz and Truth with The Rock and Cena. And he wasn't and it's like, well, not that he wasn't in it, just he was mad because they were more over than he was. That's not their fucking fault. Well, it is their fault. They're doing a better job than you getting over. And plus, they're working with The Rock and John Cena. Right. But yeah, I don't know. Like, just, shut like, the fu- just shut the fuck up and work. <laughs> that'd be like, that'd be like, I don't know. Um, cause Austin and, uh, um, Kevin Owens, they ended like raw one or WrestleMania yeah. night one. Right. Mm-hmm. Who went on before them? Uh, <laughs> I forget. I forget which, what was on which night. Um, was it the ladies match? Mm, mm-hmm. It was Bianca Belair and whoever she Mikey. wrestled. Right. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And then Austin and 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 um, Kevin Owens happened, right? Yep. That'd be like Becky Lynch going. You know what's bullshit? The fact that they brought Steve Austin back and put him in a Kevin Owens show segment that was going to turn into his last match, and they took my main event spot away from me. Right. <laughs> Becky Lynch was probably like, "Thank God we didn't have to follow that." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like she probably looked at Bianca Belair and was like, "You want to go in after Steve Austin wrestles Kevin Owens? I don't want to fucking do that." <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like shut mm-hmm. the fuck up. Did shut you did you see? Did you see? I thought it was funny. Did you see the thing? The story she told about Triple H and her turning face just recently. Which she okay. shouldn't be able to begin. With. Well, no, but she didn't. She didn't think so either. So then she said that her and Triple H, essentially the way it went, I don't know the quote, fuck, I don't know. But the way it kind of went down was it sounded like Triple H was talking to her about it, about how she felt about being a heel and stuff. And it sounded almost like she thought that she should say she liked it. Because she said, so I said. be able to just say what they want you think you want to hear. I said, she's essentially like, I said, yeah, I mean, I think I'm good at it and the. You know, I'm I'm good at being a heel, and I feel it out there, and blah 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 blah. And Triple H was like, uh, "Becky, I think we're swimming up upstream with you as a heel." And she was like, "Oh, I totally agree. Yeah." <laughs> like she was like, "All right, now, yeah, okay, yeah, I see what, how how things are now. You can speak your mind now." <laughs> it's like she was the fucking female Stone Cold. Yeah, <laughs> like a year. But anyway, like she got me, and we'll. I'll get back into the show, but she, for that time, I was interested in ladies wrestling, ladies wrestling, women's wrestling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
And then it's just like, anyway, she should have never fucking turned heel. That's all I'm going to say. Um, and her husband's outfit at fucking Clash of the Castle was ridiculous. <laughs> but anyway, like Nate said, um, getting back to 1997. Yes. Um, um, Owen ends up going for the sharpshooter. Bob Holly ends up rolling him up and getting him in the small cradle. And um, Bob Holly ends up winning. And then Bob Holly ends up um, celebrating his victory very quickly, but this, but decides that discretion's better part of valor and runs away because bulldog tries to attack him. And he's like, Nope, I got my victory. I'm out. And he runs away. Um, and the crowd goes crazy. Um, then we find out that the undertaker later on will address Paul bears demands. If you guys don't know, Paul bear says that he has a secret about the undertaker that would devastate his, devastate him if it came out and he's the only one that knows this secret and if the undertaker does not come back to him he will let the people know what happened in the undertaker's past um then um we get a super soaker commercial with sunny um and jim Cornette. jim Cornette ends up getting shot with a super soaker um and the tagline's wetter is better, and it's low-hanging fruit, so I'm not even going to make the jokes. Um, then HBK comes on, and he's got um, Ken Shamrock with him, and he says that he has selected Ken Shamrock as his tag team partner for his match against um, Owen and Bulldog next week on Raw. Um, Ken Shamrock doesn't even say anything. Um then the lights go out. Apparently there's a storm going on. So the lights go out, um, which is actually a good time for that to happen because they're actually going into the um, mankind story, which I'm not going to, I'm not going to play that. Um, it, it's, it's very long. I shouldn't say it's very long, but it, it's, it's a good eight, 10 minutes of Jim Ross interviewing uh, mankind and if you guys don't know what we're talking about, they're basically doing the um, sit-down interview with the wrestler, telling you their backstory, like what they did with Gold Dust. But this is way, way, way more effective. Um, so it's just basically Mick talking about his life and his career and getting to where he's at now. Um, so that plays, and then we. Oh, Do you have something to say? Yeah, I was going to say, I recommend to anybody that has, it, maybe you're a, a, long, a younger listener or what have you, that has never seen this thing, you need to watch it, because it is it is fantastic. And, for the record, it is the first thing that made Vince McMahon really notice Mick Foley. Yeah, and at the time, it was kind of cutting edge. Yeah. Because... He, he doesn't, they, they don't talk about WCW, which Vince McMahon was never going to do that. Right. Until later on when Russo got like pretty much complete carbalance or whatever. But it's something that they've never done before. And I, they haven't got to the Japan stuff yet or whatever, but they're, they're showing like, childhood footage of, of mankind or Mick Foley and they're they're 
Santa's real name and this, that, and the other thing. So as in like 97, you're watching it and you're like, this is fucking cool. Yeah. Like, like, I don't want to say it's a shoot interview, but it's the closest thing that Vince was ever going to let get on his show to be in a shoot interview. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. So it was, it was, it was good shit. Um, the next match is, um, Leaf Cassidy versus Scott Taylor. And I didn't go through my notes extensively because why would I <laughs> on this aspect? And you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think this is Scott's raw debut. I believe so. I'm sure he had probably been on like superstars and all that other shit. But I think this is the first thing where he's getting like, you know, he's getting a jog he's getting a jog down the down the ramp and do this, that, and the other thing. And it's so basically it's Scotty Two Hotties like big time debut and he's wrestling uh Leaf Cassidy. Um Jerry Lawler talks about Paul Heyman and says that Paul pulled a legal card and is now preventing RVD from being on raw. So RVD, he basically says that he, RVD has an ECW contract, which is funny. Um, Cause I don't think that even existed, um, but he's got a, he's got an ECW contract and Paul Heyman has done legal shenanigans to be able to not let allow RVD to compete on WWF raw. Um, um, Leaf Cassidy ends up attacking Scott Taylor to start the match. They have a pretty basic but not terrible television match. Um, and Scott Taylor ends up getting the roll up on Leaf Cassidy and the one, two, three. Um, and it's a um, it's a match that like I kind of put in my notes here that is a continuous note that I've talked about since we started this thing. It's like any guy that, that's young or whatever, and he's making his debut, guess who he's going to work? Al Snow. Al Snow. Because at least you know it ain't going to suck. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, it might not be the barn burner, but it ain't going to be terrible. You know? There's right. a reason that, that Al was around at that time, and I know he was kind of disgruntled about it, but if he would have accepted it, he could have been... I know he was a heel, but he could have... If he would have accepted it... And part of me is glad he didn't because he got to go to ECW and, and develop the Al Snowhead character or whatever. But he could have been like like a Tito's. He could have been like the Tito Santana of his locker room. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know Tito is a face, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a heel that would be that same <clears throat> kind of whatever. Like a stalwart. Yeah. Like this, is, this is the guy that you work to, to get used to our style or whatever. Mm-hmm. Greg Valentine. Yeah, Greg Valentine. You can be like Greg Valentine. But um, Scott Taylor ends up be- beating um, Leaf Cassidy with a roll-up, and Leaf Cassidy attacks him after the match because he's crazy. Um, then Steve Austin ends up um, knocking on Sable's door, and Sable says, just a minute, because she's behind the door. And he walks in, and she um, has to put a T-shirt over her breasts because she was nude. And she's like, what the hell? And he was like, she said, I said just a minute. He said, oh, I thought you said, come on in. <laughs> and she yells at him and, and he's kind of like trying to keep the argument going because I think he wants to see a little something, something. But she ends up pushing him out of the locker room. Basically, he was going in there because he wants to he wants to ask her to be his partner because what Steve's 
Steve's like, like Sean's like, I got Ken Shamrock. I'm going to do this. Steve's just wants somebody to just be in the corner. Like, like I don't need a partner that can work. I just need somebody to just be in the corner so I can say it's technically a tag match. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you and I have differing opinions, but 1997 Sable Aaron Maxson in 1997, I liked him some Sable. Then <laughs> um, Bret Hart ends up arriving to the building, and um, that's how we end our number one. Um, then the war zone starts. The Hart Foundation come out to the ring. Um, Bret Hart calls the fans Hicks, and that Shawn Michaels has. Um, and that Shawn Michaels infringed on his freedom of speech and um, that goes that he's going to make um, his big surprise known. Um, Brett says that he's returning at the King of the Ring, um, same as Shawn Michaels. Brett says, if I can't beat... Um, so basically, he's fighting Shawn Michaels at King of the Ring. He says, if I can't beat um, HBK in 10 minutes, he'll leave. Um the U.S. had never wrestled there again. Um, so, if you remember last week, Brett said he was going to make a big announcement, and the fans booed him out of the building. The big announcement is that if he can't beat Sean in ten minutes at King of the Ring, he'll never work in the United States again. Um, and HBK, he comes on the screen and says that you couldn't even beat me in sixty minutes, but so makes you think you can beat me in ten. And he wants um, um. All the uh, Hart Foundation members handcuffed to the corner so they can't get involved. Brett implies that Shawn Michaels can't even. Um, um, hold on, sorry, not Shawn. Shawn Michaels. Then this is this is what we were just talking about. Um, he then says that Brett Hart can't even last um, as a man for ten minutes, and has been having some very sunny days. Um, and then um, Brett ends up accepting the stipulations. So the statement kind of kind of went off the rails because Brett got a little mad, and Sean was kind of going out of business for himself. But that's essentially what sets up the that's what sets up the match at King of the Ring. It's Brett versus Sean, the rematch from WrestleMania. It's going to be a ten minute time limit match. The Hart Foundation handcuffed to each corner, and if Brett cannot beat Sean in ten minutes, he'll never work in the United States again. So. That's the um, Then um, the next match is Goldust versus Rockabilly. Goldust comes out. He doesn't have Marlena with him. And um, um, Goldust asks, who wants to see Marlena? And all the fans are like, yeah, we want to see Marlena. I want to see Marlena too. Um, so she comes out. But guess who she has with her? Their kid. Little Dakota. And Dakota comes out and um, Jerry Lawler says that um, um, that they really hit the little jerk pot with that little one. And then ends up saying that the stork, that the, <laughs> he says that the stork that delivered Dakota, got. he doesn't even say Dakota, like he doesn't even know her name. He says the stork that delivered that kid got arrested for carrying dope. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's a great line. It's a great line. It is. And then um Dakota like runs around the ring, tries to do her thing, and they try to get her 
to talk, but she won't. She's just mumbling on the microphone. You can't be mad. It's a fucking baby. But um, and you feel happy for Gold Dust and Marlena because like Dustin and Terry because they get to have their little girl out there or whatever. But um, the, the, the dope, like the, the start, the carry, deliver yeah. that. Carry. Arrested for carrying dope. That's a funny joke. Yeah, it is. And it's like a two-year-old or whatever. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, heard a great joke the other day. What's that? So there's a lion, you know, and he's just surveying his surveying his area or whatever. And this gorilla comes up. And quickly fucks him in the ass. All right. <laughs> so, and the gorilla runs away, and the lion's like looking around, and he goes chasing after the gorilla. And the gorilla comes upon this campsite, and he sits down, and he puts a hat on, and he opens up the newspaper, and he's just sitting there, like with a pipe and looking at the paper. And the lion runs up, and he goes, "Hey, hey, you seen a gorilla around here?" And the gorilla goes, "You mean the one that just fucked a lion in the ass?" And the lion goes, "It's already in the papers." <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, <laughs> That's a great joke. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway. Um Honky Tonk Man ends up um getting involved in this match and um uh using the guitar, but Goldust ends up hitting Honky Tonk Man instead. And I don't know why, but Rockabilly ends up winning via disqualification. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So that's how we got out of that. Um, and then Ahmed Johnson um, gets interviewed about Farouk using the race card and calls Farouk a racist, a hateful, and a sellout. He says, Farouk, is it wrong, though? Um how do I say this? Um, basically, what he's saying is that he doesn't agree with the fact that Farouk's playing the race card and using that to try to try to drum up what I, like controversy and 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 this that and the other thing. But he also says that um, um, he isn't wrong about it. But what he is wrong about it is that Farouk isn't going to be, be the first black WWF champion. Farouk or Ahmed Johnson's going to be the first black. I've, I've been champion. I've been waiting for you to get to this because we we on all of our shows we tend to, and I am actually probably out of all of us probably the bigger Ahmed Johnson fan, especially like I always say when he first came in in '95, early '96. This it is it is too bad that right around this time he got hurt because this is the most multi-layered and probably the best opportunity that that character had to be a main eventer because like like kind of like you're you're alluding to here they're adding a layer to his character you know what I mean like he's like my arch enemy I don't like my arch enemy but in this case he's not a hundred percent wrong. You know, yeah, it's but like he, he's he he's not 100% wrong about what he's saying, but he's 100% wrong that he's going to be the one to do it. You know what right. I mean? Yes. But yeah, this was the I think that this if you this is the and you can disagree with me if you think I'm wrong, but this had potential for him. 
Yeah. And, and, and like I said, uh, the, it's part of the reason that I noted it and, and I messed it up a little bit with what I was trying to say, but it it's, it's him saying that, look, you know, you, you, like I said, you're not wrong, but, but that shouldn't be the only reason he wanted. Like he's trying to say Farouk wants to be the It's champion. like Malcolm X and Dr. Martin Luther King. And I'm not yeah. comparing Ron Simmons and Ahmed, <laughs> John, but I'm saying the story it's yeah. like they're taking those two different approaches to the situation. Of don't just worry about being the black champion for the black people. Be the champion. Be the black guy that that brings the people together. Yeah. Like you're still trying to be divide, decisive, divisive or whatever. You know what I mean? I want to be the guy that goes, look, I, I'm, I'm African-American, but I'm not just an African-American champion. I'm the world champion for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know? The big difference between uh, Malcolm X and and MLK and Farouk um, um, Ahmed feud is though that the MLK and, and Malcolm X can both cut promos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what preaching is, man. It's a fucking promo. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he's just trying to draw people into the building. In the building, yep. <laughs> Get their money. <laughs> Sell your merch. <laughs> you ever seen Religious? Yes. One of my favorite movies. I love the comparison to a preacher and a pimp. Yeah. You know. Anyway, or when that guy when he when that when that guy's that's, that's trying to like um um uh, talk about how Jesus wore fine linens. No, well they that, but the guy that's trying to say that um that he wants to like fix homosexual people or whatever and he's like have you seen homosexual people they seem they just seem so down and depressed and Bill Mars like really have you seen their parade <laughs> have you seen them it's actually fantastic looks like they're fantastic they, he's like great gay actually gay actually means happy <laughs> yeah, but he's like, <laughs> they look like they're having a hell of a time and then yeah. at the end at the end they, he's like can we hug he's and like, then Bill Mars like you gonna try to fuck the area <laughs> Night. That guy even laughs. Bill like, Maher's one of my favorite people. Yeah, but anyway. guy, he's like, you're not going to try to fuck me, are you? And that, <laughs> that, that guy can't even help but laugh at it. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Anyway. Um, I've watched that movie so many times I can recite it. <laughs> Sometimes it rains. His mom's funny too. It's also funny when they're in when they're in Utah and they're filming, and then the 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 security or whatever comes up and they're telling her to leave, and they put the little thing with the arrow and it says Mormon fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Mormon fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <sighs> but the next thing is Steve Austin has finally found his tag team partner. He's got his back to the camera. You can't see who he's talking about. And he's like, look, all you got to do is just stand in the corner, not do a goddamn thing. Because I just have to have a partner. I can't fight for the tag team titles by myself. You just stand on the corner and do nothing. And then the camera kind of pans around Steve and he is talking to Harvey Whippleman. 
Harvey Whippleman's like, man, I don't think I can beat up Sean White. I don't think I can beat up Bulldog or Owen Hart. And Steve Austin's like, of course you can't, but I don't need you to do that. I just need you to stand there and do nothing. And then um, the Brooklyn Brawler ends up showing up, and he wants to be Steve Austin's tag team partner. And he Steve's just kind of looking at Brawler, and Brawler's giving his little spiel. And then Austin ends up um, – Kicking the shit out of the brawler, knocking him into like some stuff, and then looks with the like looks down at the brawler and goes, "You stink! You're worse than he is!" and just walks away. <laughs> you stink. <laughs> you and his Steve Austin heel voice. He goes, "You stink! You're worse than he is!" and then just walks away. He's <laughs> the end of his rope, trying to find this tag team partner, <clears throat> and then. Um, we find out that Raw is sponsored by Nestle's Crunch and the Super Soaker. Um, then we end up getting the match between Farouk and Rocky Maivea. And then um, Farouk ends up getting the Dominator on um, Rocky Maivea and pinning him. And then post-match, um, Crush, Crush, Crush and Savio try to attack Rocky Maivea, but for some reason, um, Farouk won't allow it. He won't let them beat him up. Um, so I don't know if, like, when I watched it, I was like, huh, that's kind of weird. Like, I don't know if it was thought about before it got into Vince Rousseau's mind to do it. Like, were they possibly going to put him with him even before he got hurt? You know what I mean? Because it just came out super weird. But anyway, um, then Vince McMahon introduces The Undertaker um, and interviews him about the secret. Um, Taker avoids the question and instead wants to talk about Farouk. He says he doesn't see color um, and he won't be the... Um, like basically Taker saying like the creatures of the night, they don't see color. I'm not looking at this as like a white or black thing. I'm just looking at this as um, Farouk can't be the WWF champion, not because he's black, but because he can't beat me basically. Um, and then um, Vince tries to bring up um, the, um, the secret again. And, and Taker's just basically deflecting all this shit. He doesn't want to talk about it. He just wants to focus on his on his on his match with Farouk, and then uh, Dark Man Paul Bearer comes out because he looks like Fat Dark Man, wearing his his diaper on his head or whatever, um, and he interrupts, and um, says that he's tired of waiting. He wants Undertaker to tell him right now, will you be with me? And Paul and Undertaker says he needs more time, and then um, basically pair pair. Bearer gives um, Taker seven days to make his decision. So he's got seven days. So basically next week's Raw, Undertaker needs to make the decision. Yeah. Is he going to come back? Is he going to come back to Paul Bearer or is he going to let his secret be known? And then that's one of the, that's one of the funny things about pro wrestling is like, it is what it is. We all know what we're, no, we all know what we're watching here. We all know it, but The funny thing about like, especially ever since like Monday night, Monday night 
the Monday night, or the cable wrestling era started and, and like superstars and shit stopped being a thing. Like nothing happens from Tuesday through Sunday unless yeah. there's, unless there's a pay-per-view. So yeah. every, everything just happens to happen on Monday night. Yeah. <laughs> This character could have been like, look, you need to let me know by Friday. By, yeah. by, like it's Monday right now. Okay. I need to know by Tuesday. <laughs> or not Tuesday, but like Thursday, you know. I, like call me and tell me what you think. Right. <laughs> by Tuesday there's, there's, at noon. Yeah, there's things you gotta there's things you gotta look past in wrestling. Yeah. Like honestly, um like say somebody's caught in a promo understand that you know being on the microphone or whatever but two grown-ass men are in the ring and they're gonna have an argument they're right in front of each other they don't yeah. necessarily need a microphone you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i can hear you you can hear me let's just fucking talk <laughs> you get what i'm saying yeah. there's just little things you gotta you gotta look past mm-hmm. but yeah i just i don't know i just think that's funny like nothing happens tuesday through through sunday but next Monday, everybody's gonna shit's gonna go down again. Yeah, go down. <laughs> yeah, it's like the uh, the only the only way you can make it like plausible on this is Bear wants to talk about it on TV, right? But or, but but yeah, you're right on other things. <laughs> like, I want to know your answer next Monday. <laughs> right at the top of the hour, yes. We know the other show starts. <laughs> And the other show has to be like, fuck. <laughs> what are we going to do here? But anyway. Um, so I'm not going to spoil what the surprise is or where the secret is. But anybody that's listening to this probably fucking already knows. But we're, we're building towards it. Um, and then the main event of the, of the night. <coughs> excuse me. I believe it's the main event. Let me make sure. Yeah, there's no other notes after that is... Jim the Anvil Neidhart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, Pillman was at ringside. Um, Austin ends up attacking him, which brings out the Hart Foundation. And then HBA, HBA? Who's HBA? That's the that's Health and Beauty Aids. <laughs> favorite department to stock is HBA. Then HBK runs out um, and with a chair to hurt the Heart Foundation, um, and they end up brawling, and the Heart Foundation ends up uh, ends up running away because that's what heels are supposed to do. And then Jim Ross ends up informing both Stone Cold Steve Austin and the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels that neither one of them um, can find another partner. Basically, if they want this match, if they want to be the tag team champion. They have to be with each other. They can't find. So basically, you guys are either going to team together and work this match, or if you don't want to team with each other, the match is off. Is the gist of it? And um, they ended up starting a brawl with each other, and that's how we go off the air. It's with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels, who are fighting for the tag team championships. The tag team championships next week. They are basically a um, disgruntled, forced upon tag team, and that's how we go off the air. A lot of raw right there, mm-hmm. but a good raw, a very good raw. And I and like I said, my my um, 
stumbling of words doesn't give it justice, but it, it's Raw is really killing it right now, and it's only going to get better. And honestly, Nitro, once it gets back to two hours, that's the best shit they ever did. So it's it's everything. Both companies right now are. I don't want to say the best they've ever been. WWF is the best it's been in probably, I want to say, three years. Am I wrong in that? No, oh, no, but without a doubt. 94 is the most boring year in the history of that promotion. 95 is all right match quality-wise, but it's goofy. And 96, I don't hate 96, but 96 they're doing a lot of like, it's like a baby trying to walk. Yeah. You know, they just are trying to find their legs. And they're still trying to do they're trying to do what still worked in the past, but trying to figure yes. out what's gonna work in you the have, you, you have Stone Cold Steve Austin and Freddie Joe Floyd on the same show. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not dissing Tracy Smothers. You know it what I mean? a different story if they would have just brought him in as Tracy Smothers. Yes. And that had him be Freddie Joe Floyd. You got um Stone Cold Steve Austin, I'm using him just as the Stone Cold Steve Austin at the end of the show, but halfway through the show, here's the goon. Yeah. yeah. Or the pug. The pug. <laughs> and I, I don't want to say this because I, I know you like him, but it's so bad. I feel so bad because a lot of those guys that got, and I'm not a huge Bill Irwin fan, you know that, but a lot of those guys that got those shit gimmicks are, are fucking good. Yeah. Like Alex Porto was a good Alex, fuck. Like, like he was like a that was, but that was the, that was the only way he was ever gonna get in the WWF because he was too short. Well, I was just gonna say he's like a Chris Candido type worker. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And fucking Tracy Smothers was fucking great. And um, don't go to sleep on fucking Tony Anthony. You know these guys. And um, and then I'll, I know you said you gotta work earlier or whatever, so I, I don't want to keep you too long. Um, Cornette said they they gave they called Delo about one. Yeah, of them. yeah, and he told him don't, said, don't do it. <laughs> like, I I think the only reason he told D, he didn't tell those other guys that was he knew they didn't have another chance. You know what I mean, it's like you don't have another chance to be here and be able to put WWF superstar or whatever and make mm -hmm. that make a little bit of good WWF money. But I think he looked at Delo and he's like, you're fucking, you're 23 years old or whatever. It's like, do not. Sign that fucking contract. You have another chance to get there, right? You know what I mean. Like they're not—they're yeah. not going to sign fucking Tracy. And I, I don't want to disparage him because no, we're talking him. about the WWF. Yeah, we're talking about WWF, WWF in 1999 isn't going to call fucking Tracy Smothers. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. this is like this is your last chance. 96 is your last chance to get in that door. Nilo, you got a lot of time to go, buddy. Don't don't fucking sign that. Yeah. So. And and Alex Porto was a bit younger at the time, but he didn't. He wasn't a friend of Jim Cornette, so he didn't have Cornette to tell him. You know, he met. You, you never know what his career might have been had he not been the pug. You know, if he would have went to WCW or something, and yeah, because he was good. He was he was a good little shit heel. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, that's the May nineteenth, nineteen ninety seven Raw and Nitro. Um, I don't think it's fair to even say oh raw definitely had the upper hand because it was it was two different cats you know this week mm -hmm. but raw obviously was the better show but they had more time and 
whatever. So, but neither show was bad. Raw was really good. And we're getting ready to roll into um, one of my favorite Raw main events of all time next week. And I don't think it's overstated next week when Jim Ross says that this is the biggest main event in the history. He doesn't say the history of wrestling like Tony Schiavone, but he says this is the biggest main event in the history of Raw. And it's Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin versus Owen Hart and the British Bulldog for the Tag Team Championships. Big fucking match. It's fantastic, and I'm looking forward to discussing it next week. The only thing I'll say, the only thing I'll say before Aaron signs us out is uh, I think it's important to announce for this week here in a couple of days, as you're listening to this show, the We Can't Wrestle podcast will present this year's Hall of Shame. And I know it's a it's a couple of months later in the year than it normally is, but we spent, like I've said on a couple of shows, we spent a lot more time on that PWI 500 than I thought we would. Um, and so that took a lot longer. Instead of taking three weeks like I thought it would, it took us 10 weeks. <laughs> so uh, we are a bit behind as far as when we normally do the Hall of Shame. But yes, the We Can't Wrestle podcast Hall of Shame coming up this week. So Hells yeah. <laughs> tune in for that. <laughs> I still have not done it because I always forget until it's too late. I want a kazoo because I want to play the WWE Hall of Fame music, but with a kazoo as the music (laughs) for the We Can't Wrestle podcast Hall of Shame, but I always forget. You work at Big Lots. I'm sure you sell a kazoo. No, we don't. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I like, I, I can't. I, I. The, okay, the first year I wanted to do it, which I think was how many years have we done it now? Three or four? I don't know. <laughs> well, anyway, I think it was the second year we did it. I looked at at every store. I was I was like, there's no way Dollar Tree doesn't have kazoos because Dollar Tree has. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like you go in there and you find them. Chachki or whatever you can find. No kazoo at Dollar Tree. I was so disappointed. They still sell wall crawlers. (laughs) Silly putty. (laughs) I sell silly putty. I'm talking about them things that you used to, like, throw up the wall. look like a spider. And it'd be like. Yeah. (laughs) Then it's like the first time you do it, then it gets cat hair on it. It doesn't work no more. But yeah, that's the Hall of Shame coming up this week, so stay tuned for that on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. But other than that, take us home. All right, I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, don't forget to listen to all the other shows on the network, like Reliving the Extreme, Mark City Spotlight, <laughs> Smell What the Arts Cooking, um, um, The Year That Was, all those different shows, Maximum Goal, everything that's on here, they're all good, they're all great, and they're all better than... 99% of the other wrestling podcasts that you listen to. Um, so, but I appreciate you guys listening to this one. Like I said, we're in May. Um, <clears throat> I put a poll up for what we're going to do on the next season. It's 1993, but we got to get through 97 first, and we're in May now, so we still got a little bit of time to get there. But I want to thank everybody for listening, and like I said, I'm looking forward to next week because it's one of my favorite roles of all time. So, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for joining, Nate. I appreciate it. And everybody have a good night.